Welcome back to another episode of the Unending TBR Podcast. I am so glad to re-welcome this guest back to the podcast. Thank you for joining. So I am here to welcome back Jessica Kate to the podcast. Thank you for joining me again. Hello. It's been a while. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you were one of my very first author interviews on the podcast and it was just so much fun talking with you last time and but it's been a while and um Mm -hmm. I was just wondering if you could kind of catch us up on what you've been up to these last couple of years in a nutshell Um, well (laughs) I mean in terms of book stuff I'm a slow writer so I think I'm still working on the same book (laughs) but I'm nearly (laughs) at the end of it this time I think I must have been at the start of it or maybe I did have I can't remember if we talked in 2020 or 21 it was one of those early days but um I had the whole manuscript I wrote in 2020 just I went to edit it and I was just like this just doesn't work at a fundamental level and I had to throw it out so <laughs> if uh if anyone else out there can relate then you know the pain of that but start a new one in 2021 I'm doing the the draft of it now and hopefully it'll come out next year so just been plodding along putting in those hours yeah wow I mean yeah you're so definitely looking forward to that because you do write such fun rom-coms but um also um yeah I think we talked like er I can't remember early 2020 can't remember what but um Mm -hmm. you have since started um you started kind of like a ministry outreach page called hey there single lady and can you tell us a little bit about why you started that Oh, well, good question. Um, So if I'm being honest, towards the end, about a year ago-ish, I went through a breakup of my own of a pretty significant longer-term relationship. um, Mm -hmm. And that was really tough. And um, so I started it sort of really as a way to, um, I started it probably six months after that happened. And just as a way of sort of putting out there the things that I had been learning that had really helped me through that because I did feel like I kind of really floundered for a few months um, and was surprised that time wasn't really making things easier. And Mm. then um, thankfully God started to teach me some really good stuff that I have to say has changed a lot of things in my life. It kind of didn't just apply to that. It's flowed through to a lot of other things and that was really useful and so I kind of started the page as a way of writing those things down because when you do that and you say it out to other people it reinforces it to yourself and it's also handy if you're having a bad day it's really easy to just flick it up and look back through it and be like these are all the things that I have said so (laughs) let's start because in the moment all of a sudden you can just forget all the good things Mm -hmm. you learned you know once you you have a bad day and that spiral starts and you're just like nothing's good (laughs) and so when I say it to other people I don't know it it boomerangs back to me that is so true like I feel like we'll learn something in the moment and and it's like and God will we be able to apply it and it's like oh wow God thank you for showing me but it's like if we do not like write these down in catalog it is so easy to forget like I do not know what is with our human brains that it's like I already did learn this lesson and here I am a few months later having to do it all over again mm-hmm. yeah uh, and some of the things weren't even lessons so much as just like super practical tips on yeah things that help us out like the fact that exercise is one of the best things for getting you out of a funk than even mm-hmm. <laughs> some other you know maybe super spiritual things just like practical ways to make your life better that was really cool and it's cool to hear how how your perspective too and how that was actually a part of of your growth how do you feel like your perspective has has changed since starting that I don't really think so. If anything, I've kind of just, you know, leaned a bit more into it as the as the page went. I would kind of, you know, learn a few new things or different stuff. Um, one thing that changed, I think at the start I had, I didn't put it on the page much, but I certainly had saved up in some notes on my phone some 
perhaps rants about how I think people get singleness wrong or, or talk to singles in a way that is not helpful. Um, yeah. And the more I've gone, and I, I, I did hesitate to share those. So there's not really, you won't really see any of them on the page, but I definitely had it in my attitude. And I think the more I've gone, the more I've been like, just, just let it go. Just focus on the positive, give oxygen to the positive. The negative will starve itself out eventually, hopefully, or you'll just learn to deal with it better. And um, that's much nicer way of. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Just is inspiring. you like, hmm, maybe in order to get my rants down, I should like actually write them down and then just <laughs> leave them as they yeah. are private rants. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really wanted to have you on here to talk about kind of like the single Christian woman and and um and how that looks and how that can also be applied or look into readers who are single christian women so i guess i should have said that at the beginning but anyway um <laughs> so in your opinion rant zone i guess open what is some <laughs> of the worst advice given to christian singles i feel like some of the most unhelpful things are when people just say you know, don't worry, you know, you never know who you could meet or anything like that, which in and of itself, like maybe a true thing, but I feel like what's unhelpful about it is it's incomplete because it, or it's really irrelevant to the problem. Like the core thing here is that if we're going to be okay, then it's going to be because we're okay with God and he's what we need. And doesn't matter what happens, that foundation's there. And so like that's the actual solution and maybe you'll meet someone but maybe you won't and so just saying it doesn't make we're not dumb we all know that maybe we won't (laughs) and so it doesn't make (laughs) us feel any better and it takes our focus off of God which does make us feel better and it puts it on a hope that we know isn't going to stand up to much scrutiny and it's it's frustrating it feels like I'm being expected to feel better because You've looked into your crystal ball, we all know doesn't exist, and just given me a platitude. And that that was one of the big rants. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel like I feel like if you have been a Christian single for any amount of time, you have heard that. And it's kind of just, yeah, it, it can lead, it can, it can be a frustrating thing, especially if you're in a moment where you're kind of struggling with, you know, mm-hmm. with any kind of position you are in life to just say oh well you never know it's like well yeah but what can we do in the moment that's going to um help us grow as a person and grow in our faith so definitely (laughs) um agree so what about the here's my one of my things that I have been told also what is your response to the recommendation that Christian singles, especially, well, I know because I'm a Christian single female, to not read romance. What's your take on that? I think it's not a black and white question. I think there are times when, I mean, I write romance. I obviously enjoy it. I do read it myself. I watch it on my screens. But I, and certainly in the past year, I'll say even I, as someone who creates it, I have throttled back uh, because at times it's not helpful for where I am today. And other days it's fine. It's great entertainment and Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy it. But I think just knowing yourself and knowing what's healthy for me today, is this one in particular putting a message in my brain that is useful or is it, um, you know, there's, there's a whole spectrum of romances. Some of them have really fantastic, emotionally healthy messages and yep. some of them less so. <laughs> and a lot of them mix the two. Some have a really True. great message on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, maybe the hero is so unbelievably perfect. When you look at it, you're like, there is no human <laughs> on earth. Like that's just, it's just not helpful. Poor blokes. Oh, they can't have that put on them. <laughs> if, if you wrote a girl equivalent of that character, then I'd just throw the book across the room because she'd just be ridiculous. Like, so it's just about using your discernment, I think, and uh, maybe a little bit of 
honesty and deciding what's useful. Very good. Yeah, good point. And uh, on the, I think discernment is a huge um, part of it. And I was thinking of this before starting if it's Did we freeze up? Knowing where you stand. Oh, there we go. There you are. Oh. So okay. <laughs> the whole thing froze for, I think, oh. just when you started to talk. So I just put my okay. camera off. I thought maybe the internet was struggling, but it seems to be good now. So I was kind of thinking of this before uh, we, we talked about it's, I think it's true to you. Discernment is so important, whether or not it's a book we're reading, a move, move, TV show that we're watching, or even like a relationship that we are, are in or any day circumstances, figuring out where to set boundaries, guidelines, like really laying out and really kind of thinking ahead to what, where we want to be and what we are willing to be part of is a really big it's a big thing in, in the Christian life because you want to be, you want to be discerning. You want to be doing like the right thing. What do you feel are good kinds of boundaries that we could, you know, everybody's going to have differences of what they're comfortable with and everything, but what do you feel like are good boundaries to keep in mind when, when reading? I think um, thinking about after I read or watch or consume media like this one, do I tend to be less content with my life? Do I tend to kind of find myself in a funk for a couple of days and just putting it down to something else? Um, sometimes we can spot a bit of a pattern with some different things. Mm -hmm. um, thinking about I mean the, for me this is a complicated question because as a child of the 90s you really got hammered with the garbage in garbage out blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> which <laughs> is true it is true but there are certainly some people who take it a lot further than what I do and so I don't want to put out like a rule that says you know watch anything above this rating and that's yeah. terrible because I'm not one of those people um and the honestly the standards are different in different places different cultures sometimes I'm surprised by the difference in attitudes between even just America and Australia on some different things and things yeah. you know I'll go over there and maybe say something and then go oh I think this is a cultural difference I just stumbled across <laughs> interesting I'll note that one for the future <laughs> That is so true across the cultural thing. And then it's like, I'm sure it gets really mixed with um, like I was, I was looking up a parent's guide for a TV show or something like that. And even how um, I can't remember if it was like the rating systems, even for TV shows and movies are so different. And then you'll have like the different yeah. things and it'll be like, oh, this is rated that in Australia. It's like, hmm, I wonder, you know, it's like, it's so interesting how it is different different cultures different people but I think um I think it's a good thing to to keep in mind how it's like you need to know and even I remember hearing a thing about like trigger warnings and stuff and there was a discussion on another podcast about like how should trigger warnings be handled in books and um, I think it was an Australian who mentioned, it's like, well, you have to know what you're comfortable with and have to know, hey, if this is making my, um, my conscious upset, you know, then for me, that's something that I leave off. And I feel like we've, you know, I think yeah. that was a really good insight. So mm -hmm. that's it. I think, you know, you're, if you're someone who follows Jesus, have a chat to him about it and, yep. you know, don't, don't impose 
what you feel like you're saying to you necessarily on everybody else. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what would be one thing that you would recommend to churches or other ministries that may help minister to or involve single believers? What would that be? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of great examples. Actually, I'm lucky enough to go to an awesome church at the moment, which I feel like is doing a really good job with this, which is right. super exciting. Um, only this month, I think, you know, I've been going to church my whole life, 30 odd years now, and I don't think I'd ever heard someone preach on singleness when it wasn't like a throwaway line in the middle of a sermon on marriage <laughs> until this month when my church um, not only preached on singleness, but, um, you know, the introduction, I mean, the pastor of my church is a long-term married man. So he just gave a brief introduction and then he interviewed a single woman and talked to her about that. And I thought that was great on multiple levels, just it was the first time. I mean, he, he directly said, um, God loves the singleness lifestyle. God loves the married lifestyle. They are both equally valid and they can be used in different ways. And I was like, even though I know that's true, and pretty much every Christian I know would affirm that if you ask them, that's the first time I've heard that said from the front of church. Yeah. When you get a lot of messages and just because the nature of like marriage is an easy and fun thing to celebrate. You get parties around it. There's a ring, there's dresses, there's, it's fun. And I love, I love weddings. Um, but there's just no sort of thing that you get to celebrate around singleness. And so after a while, the messaging can just feel imbalanced, even though that no one's done anything wrong and no one's been yeah. bad. It's just, and so just hearing it publicly affirmed by a leader is really good and especially because also there's a lot of older people particularly older christians who actually do have a very unbalanced they actually don't really their actions don't show that they believe that they definitely value some of them marriage more than singleness and feel mm -hmm. like a life of singleness is a is a sentence you've been condemned to and yeah. you know only the other day an, an older lady who was a family friend walked up to me hadn't seen me for many years and said so I hear that we need to find you a husband and I was like well we don't need to like sure that might be good but my current lifestyle is also valid and valuable and blah blah, blah. and I didn't say any of that because it wouldn't make a difference but you know in that sentence she just invalidated my whole life like there's something yeah. wrong with how you are now and we need to change that and so when you hear someone up the front say how you are now is valuable and is being used by God and you have not been forgotten and you have not been abandoned and God has plans for you. That is really encouraging, especially if you're having a hard time at that point. Yeah. So that is awesome. I just think that churches need to be, um, as a whole, deliberate in encouraging their singles. And, you know, for every sermon you preach on marriage, preach a sermon on singleness because those two things usually don't get equal weighting. But if you look at the people in your church, there's actually a lot more singles than people probably think when you add in yeah. the people who aren't married yet, who are long-term single, who have been divorced, who have been widowed. We're all going to be single for long patches of our lives, even if you do have a marriage. So um, that's something that we should pay some deliberate attention to and give some love to. So I think that's I really important. I totally agree. And it's not like going like hugely out of the way, but just kind of yeah, it's, it's hard because like, there's a lot of things like, like marriage retreats or Valentine's mm -hmm. dinner for the married couples and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But it's like, I was actually talking in my women, women's ministry about another lady and she was in her sixties and she was by herself and it was just like, and she was divorced and it was kind of like, there was that, that separation of like, you know, that, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's that gap in between that. I feel like it's, it's hard and it's hard if the, if the church is um, smaller and everything, but I, I really think that there could be more um, and it doesn't have to just, okay, here's another little bit of a thing. A singles event doesn't, or something that's inclusive with singles doesn't have to be a mixer. Like 
it does not have to be a speed dating type Christian mixer that I'm kind of like, oh, this gets a bad name. I it does. But I've actually like, never seen maybe it's more American than Australian or my churches have just always been too small, but that sounds awkward to me. <laughs> it was like I have been to the singles Bible studies. I've like done that and it's just kind of like this is like I feel like there could be a really big thing and I think it could be really beneficial too for inclusion in both here in America I feel like there's a lot of there's the men's ministry there's the women's ministry there's like children's activities but I feel like we miss a lot if we don't kind of like do all-inclusive kind of events where you have you know the, the mix with the do you know what I mean like mm -hmm. everybody getting together like I feel like it should be more of a social community not so like divided because I feel like yeah. we could each learn and take from and we have we have gifts that we can give to each other just in our own experiences I think it should be more together as a community all as a body of Christ not putting us in classrooms I don't know Maybe yeah, I need to write yeah. it down just, in a proper rant. <laughs> just people not making assumptions. You know, I was at something the other day and it was um, the person who was leading it didn't know me or I think many of the people in the room, but we were generally of a similar age. Like everyone was probably in their late 20s to early 40s. We were, I think, all Christian women who were friends of the same person who'd brought us along. And the person, and there was a lot of kids in the room too. And the person, and um, she was actually talking about a political thing. Um, and she looked around and goes, oh, I think everybody here has kids. And then kind of went on this whole spiel about um, how what she was talking about was important because of kids. And like, it didn't really bother me, but I was just sort of like, that's an assumption people shouldn't make. Um, and for me, you know, I'm, I'm not devastated by that, but it is annoying somewhat when people assume that all the adult women in the room are also wives and mothers. Yeah. Um, because also, what if I was someone who, um, you know, was married and was trying to have kids and couldn't? Like, that's just, it's just, people just shouldn't assume things and just, you know, just value all the groups. <laughs> yeah, and that's, it is hard. same thing with the yeah the last ministry women's ministry it's like oh yeah we're all in here mothers and it's like uh like, did you uh, take no. a poll <laughs> yeah we're we're not actually all mothers but we are yeah. all super important in the spiritual health of our community so yeah absolutely yeah and I think that I think that that's a huge I think that's a huge great thing mm -hmm. yeah and I, I have to say too the other thing that I think I'm super lucky um, that it's done well in my community and I think it would be awesome if everyone everywhere did it, was um, just taking, um, giving like a family type connection to the singles in your circle. So I have no family in the town where I live. My family are four hours away and I'm lucky enough to have a flexible job where I can see them fairly often, but there's still a lot of times when, you know, I walk into church and I'm sitting alone or... Um, you know, different things are happening and, you know, I just don't have a family base there at that yeah. time. And um, lucky for me, there is a beautiful family in church who have kind of just unofficially adopted all of the single women and, you know, have us over often, invite us to all their parties, sit with us in church um, and just give a bit of a connection. So I'm like, you know, if, if something happened and my mum couldn't get here, then, you know, there's there's a couple people on my list I can and have at times in the past call and just knowing that there's someone there and, and the single person is not really in a position to be able to identify that person and be like, will you be this person for me? Like yeah. it's kind of you know, on the onus of the family to bring them in that is like a really good that's a really good insight and I feel like isn't that so much like the embodiment of the family of Christ like you are and I feel like so many people are like even in who like really loved in in book wise the found family trope and it's like mm. it doesn't have to be you know uh, a romantic relationship or something like that sometimes just having that those people that you that love you like family are so important mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very special. Yeah. So, um, so kind of going back to after I said, oh yeah, found family is great. Now let's go back and talk about some romance. (laughs) (laughs) So how have you, um, how have you found yourself like encouraged by actually like reading or writing it? Romance as a genre. Romance as a genre. Um, I think that I tend to not always intentionally, you know, I'll sort of start writing a book and eventually work out like what the characters need to learn and different stuff. And it's only after I've mapped it out that I kind of realize, oh, I have been learning this or I need to learn this or something similar. I I didn't start out to preach that message usually. And I think if I did, it would probably come out a bit too strong. Um, but yeah, it just kind of mirrors the journey you're on. And I guess we tend to give parts of ourselves to our characters. I mean, the, char- the pair of characters I'm writing right now are total opposites to each other, but there's so much of me in both of them. <laughs> I'm like, it's like, I'm gonna, I'm like, it's like I just split my personality in two halves and then made them weirdly fall in love with each other, which is a bit disturbing, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I can so, I so see that too. And I feel like, there's something about the romance genre that really does, I mean, because the characters are pushed and they have to often resolve something to, to be together. I feel like there's so many things that, that I have learned personally from that genre in particular, because it moves at that pace and you have two different like personalities. I feel like I, I'm noticing things and I'm more aware of things like in, in other relationships in my life that it's like, you know, maybe I could see this from the other person's perspective because you usually do have like two points of view and stuff like that or Mm -hmm. more. And it's just like, I feel like that's something unique to the romance genre that it is about the relationship base. And there's just so much fruit there for the things that you can apply in your life. There is. Yeah. And I often write, my romance usually has sort of a family subplot Mm -hmm. to it as well. There's a lot of family dynamics family drama in my kind of stories which is why it sort of walks the line between romance and women's fiction really Um, I've started sort of calling it romantic women's fiction because it's a pretty big part of the story and it's often the character has the character has you know a somewhat dysfunctional relationship with their family for the very reason that's going to impede their romance as well and then it's the romance that kind of shakes them out of it and makes them realize I can't continue in this pattern. I need to change if I'm going to move forward. And then that kind of helps them take the next step in both their family relationships and then also their romantic relationships and their relationship with God. So yeah, it's fun to kind of give that mirror for them to see, here's how I've been going. Here's where I want to go. These two don't match. <laughs> so true. How do you feel like... Um... And do you feel like that's a way that God can use your love of story and storytelling for the good to, to, to bring that to light with stories? Because it's like, I feel like I've learned things like, shame to say it, but it's like the people that are most like me in fiction, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't stand this character. They're way too much like me. They need to change. <laughs> Um, hopefully yeah like it's hard to say once a book leaves your hands who knows what happens with it and what happens in the minds of people Um, and I usually don't know how something how someone has taken something I read either well or badly Um, you get a few you know you get you get some lovely messages for a few people on on Instagram or email who are um, lovely enough to send you some feedback which is really great Um, but especially living in Australia I mean 95% of my readership are actually Americans um, which is one of the reasons why I've been over there to visit you guys so many times Um, but uh, I I I live somewhere else and so there is a sort of quite a large gap between me and my readership so I certainly hope that the things um, the things in my books that were really helpful to me I hope they're also really helpful to other people and uh 
I hope that God uses them. But once I hit send on that manuscript, it's out of my hands and I often don't know how it goes. So I just have to trust that, you know, God's going to do his thing. And yep. it's cool to so just what, be a little part of it. Do you feel like there isn't the same market for like Christian or inspirational fiction in Australia? Or do you, is it like other cultures? Is it not like is reading? Like, what do you feel like is the difference between that gap? Um, our cultures are more different than, you know, when I first visited the US, I was, you know, we get a lot of American stuff over here in Australia. You know, yeah. all our TV pretty much is American. Most of our books, really all pop culture is, is coming from the US. And so I kind of thought, oh, you know, I've been watching, I've been watching this place my whole life. I don't think it will be that different but you know the more I've been over and I've had you know a lot of friends who I keep in contact with regularly while I'm living here and we have a lot of conversations about the differences and it's more different than I expected in some ways and it's kind of hard to get that until you've been to both of them but uh, Australia is a much more secular country than the US is and um the U.S. has this phenomenon, and I don't really have a good word to describe it other than like there's a lot of cultural Christianity that's not mm-hmm. – well, I mean, you like listen to country music, and I find it weird because in the same song a person will be talking about going to church and then talking about everything else they get up to in the week. I'm like, mate, those two things, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing a distance here. <laughs> yes. Um, no, we definitely see that here too. Yes. That doesn't, I guess it exists to a very small degree, but it do, it's not really, there's not this big cultural thing of people being in church in, on Sunday here. It's, it's unusual for you mm-hmm. to be in church on a Sunday. Um, and so yeah and and just our proportion of religious people is is much much lower than the US and we're also a way smaller country so i mean our in, t- in terms of land mass our countries are almost the same we're just yeah. a little bit smaller than you guys in terms of land mass but i mean you have what 300 million people we have i think we're up to 27 million <laughs> so, <laughs> It's just the, it's a much smaller readership. It's still a very passionate and engaged, um, awesome readership, but the the stats are just a little bit different. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. When you take it into the population size to the country. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. So can you tell us a little bit about your project? You announced... Not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. Um, I'm just thinking. I should have looked up the blurb, uh, which I'll hopefully you can edit this bit down a little bit. <laughs> Let me look well, up. I, I read it in your email, and it's like, oh my goodness, this oh, sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad. Okay, let me open up the thing where I wrote it. Uh oh. Here we go. Okay, so I do have to say I recently had a competition with people. So I had four options for the title. I had a competition. People voted. There was one clear winner. I haven't quite – I want to do a little bit more research before I completely publicly announce it. So I will hold the title close to my chest. At the same time I sent out my current draft of the blurb, um, I got back some really good feedback from people too who had things that they – just little tweaks they wanted to see happen with the blurb and I haven't done those yet but I am going to so I just want to say if you're one of those people who sent me feedback and you hear this and go no she didn't do the thing I said I'm going to look at it (laughs) I just haven't (laughs) I figured I'd do it when I'm closer to um releasing that more publicly yeah but here is the current draft so Gilmore Girls meets new in town in this heartfelt romance, which proves that small town life, faith, and love are never as simple as they seem, which I have to say, I think is very on brand for like the Jessica Kate books so far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like romance, family, you know, kind of small townish stuff. It's, yeah, yeah we're, we're sticking with what we know and love. So, 
Um, so here's the actual blurb. Bubbly but lonely newspaper editor Ashley Anderson is ecstatic to finally call the small town of Amity Creek home. Rebel with the cause teacher Justin Hastings can't escape fast enough. And as neighbours, they drive each other crazy. <laughs> Ashley's just bet her inheritance on the Amity Creek Gazette, but when she modernises the newspaper, her major advertisers boycott and her business hangs in the balance. Justin's got the family connections to get the town back on her side, but his family is complicated. He's only in Amity Creek to launch the cutting-edge school he's co-founded, and then he's off to a dream job in his native Australia. But Justin's own father is the school's most vocal opponent, and if Eric Hastings wins the mayoral election, everything Justin's worked for could be wasted. When a good deed goes awry, Justin owes Ashley a vehicle, and they're forced to carpool until he can pay her back. Thrust into one another's daily lives, Ashley and Justin learn that nothing is as black and white as it seems. Not small town life, not family, and not each other. Animosity morphs into respect and more. But there's a fork in the road coming and these two are destined for separate paths. Can the road less travelled ever lead them back to each other? So that's, Animosity. that's it. Forced proximity. <laughs> well, so far, I've realized I exclusively write enemies to love. That is my yep. favorite trope. Every book so far has been it. I'm not breaking pattern this time. <laughs> well, you're yep. proving of how many different ways there is to incorporate that trope, which yes. <laughs> I will never complain with that. I will never complain about that. That's true. My first one was exes. Then I had colleagues. Now I'm doing neighbors. So neighbors. all the different force proximity ways that people can hate each other and then fall in love. <laughs> and I should explain something about the blurb. And it was one of the pieces of feedback that um, people gave me that I haven't yet figured out how I'm going to explain it. But Justin is both, he has family in Amity Creek, but he is Australian. So he has an Australian mother and he grew up there, but an American father, all his extended family is American. And as a teenager, they moved there. And so it's hard to get across in a very short blurb how I can explain yeah. that dynamic. Cause I kind of want to get across. People love Aussie heroes. So I'm like, hey, I'm giving you an Aussie hero. But um, he does. Is, it's like small town and extended family complications, and that is, it all happens in. It's a small, a fictional small town in Washington State. So I haven't figured that one out yet, but I will. <laughs> well, that is always good to hear that you're incorporating one of your Aussie heroes because those are definitely always, yeah, always yes. been safe. I love getting to write my accent into the yeah novel. <laughs> because it's authentic. Yes. <laughs> so what do you feel like was one of the biggest inspirations for this story? This story, um, I had the idea one day hanging out in this office. I think I was trying to brainstorm different ideas for new books. I was trying to think up an idea for a shorter book I could do. It hasn't turned yeah. out that way. It's going to be the exact same length as the first two. But, um, but I was trying to think of something. And um, the initial nugget of an idea was the carpooling part. The fact that yeah. somehow one of them has accidentally destroyed the other's car. And so that they're forced into like the original idea was really about how it's those small details of someone else's life that really lets you get to know them, learn their true character and mm -hmm. challenge your assumptions about them. And so that was definitely what interested me from the start. And also from the start was the whole dynamic of she has very little to no family and is and loves the small town, is craving a sense of community. And he, uh, he is suffocated by his family and he just needs to get out and that 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 contrast was something that I really wanted to explore. So, um, yeah, a lot of that stuff was really baked in from the start. And then that, the hard part is finding good reasons why they have those attitudes, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. That is a, yeah, it's funny. It's like reading like different things. It's kind of like you have to really sell why they don't like each other, like kind mm -hmm. of that's and yet the reader needs to cheer for them both still so they can't be right like they awful. can't be nasty people like really mm -hmm. towards each other but they have to think the worst and that is mm -hmm. a that's a tricky rope to to do but I feel like one of the 
ones that is so cool too to see is like I know the misunderstanding uh, or the miscommunication trope and I don't know if this falls in the miscommunication trope but I feel like misunderstandings mm-hmm. is like a whole other thing where it's like you presume something and mm-hmm that's not what they either intended or that's not their true or there was like a really bad moment and then you base their whole character off of something that wasn't them so yeah Mm -hmm. yep I I hate that when it's not done well so I try really hard to kind of bake it into maybe some opposite worldviews they have that are going to set them on a collision course or um, a, a pattern of behavior that leads them to make probably a a somewhat well-founded and maybe partially correct assumption about the other one but um but then when they dig deeper they realize you know what there's more to this and this is why you know maybe another person wouldn't have reacted so strongly but it hit a particular hot button of mine due to my insecurities and kind of trying to build in really good reasons why they push each other's buttons in the worst way at first and then figure it out so it's always a fun part of the puzzle I do also feel and my one of my defenses for my absolute love of this I think I feel like this trope shows that even you can come out of a place of argument or opposite sides and then be totally for each other like I love seeing that character arc and to me it's like that is a great character arc because if you're like I don't know I feel like it shows hey you can work through hard stuff once mm-hmm. you, you know realize the other the other side I don't know mm-hmm. I, what I, I love about it and I think one of the things that keeps drawing me back to it again and again is if they don't like each other and they're not trying to impress one another mm-hmm. it allows for a degree of honesty that you wouldn't get to so fast in other relationships when you're still trying to look like a good person yeah <laughs> so <laughs> that's you fun see and the it, worst first <laughs> yeah that's it and so they're building the relationship from a place of knowing the truth about one another and then that, and then learning other truths that they had missed and so it starts from a real foundation of mutual respect and I'm just a sucker for that like there's a game I play I play it with my newsletter readers in my um, welcome sequence of emails that comes out which is you know tell me your top three favorite movies and tv shows and let's see if i can find the theme that really that most people have a a secret source that makes them love their favorite things and um and let's see if we can pick what it is and i completely blatantly stole it off the author um what's his name i saw him at conference jim rubart i think that's his it definitely starts with r-u-b and i'm just trying to remember how the Uh, name yeah james james yeah i know i always say yeah yep yeah yes he does I didn't know that he came up with that that's yeah and I mean I don't know if he came up with it originally but I definitely saw him do it at conference and I was like well that's a fun game so I started doing it with people sorry mate I stole it and and it's totally true like everybody has these things that that go through all their top like there are other things I like but so mine is um respect despite conflict um, or loyalty yeah. despite conflict and you look at all my top movies and tv and you'll see that through it and um so I just write it endlessly 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 <laughs> well definitely here for it looking for it is there a project I know it's going to be it's going to be next it's are you think do you have kind of like a foggy idea of when we can start stocking goodreads to add it to our <laughs> <laughs> Look, it is so. I am publishing this one independently. My first two were okay. with a traditional publisher, um, the HarperCollins yeah. imprint, Thomas Nelson. So this time, the reason why this one, one of the reasons why this one is so slow, is because I need to learn the process of how to do this, and um, and I'm going to need to schedule like edits and book covers and different things. And because I haven't done it before, I'm just not sh- completely sure. I've got nice. I've started putting feelers out to kind of get a feel for some timeframes, but. Um, just need to work out how long those kind of things will take to line up. And um, also my, I have dialed back a little bit the amount of hours I work on it just to get a little bit more balance into my life, make sure I see the sun occasionally. <laughs> I've got a <laughs> niece and nephew like now. That. <laughs> I need to go and cuddle those babies and do some different things. So just not quite the putting the same hours in that I used to and so that means that 
I need to, I'm almost finished this draft, but uh, my early drafts, I put no, they're all like talking in action. There's, you know, you don't know what day of the week it is. What's anybody wearing? What room are they standing in? What's the weather like? What month is it? None of that's in there. So I got to go back and figure all that out. <laughs> and then I can send it to, you know, the editors and stuff. And there's a little bit of research on some different things I need to do. So I'm kind of just giving myself, I'm just saying it'll come out in 2023. And so if it comes out on December 31, 2023, then I still did it. There. So for now, I'm just saying probably the second half of the year, but okay. I don't really know how far along. Hopefully it'll be out sooner rather than later, but we'll see. <laughs> so how, like, so you, you've done, you've it's kind of interesting because oftentimes the authors that I talk to they've gone like independently or small house first and then go to big you've kind of like done it in reverse are you enjoying this learning process or is it like it is interesting yeah I I mean it was not I I obviously loved working with Harper Collins and would have gleefully continued to do so but um some different circumstances meant that that didn't work out and uh, it ends up that that was probably a good thing because I am actually quite a slow writer. As we can see, it's it's 2022 and I still don't have my next book out yet. <laughs> the reason why the first two came out so quickly after one another was I had them both written before I ever signed that contract. So ah, I had spent the seven right. years before then writing those two books. <laughs> and so, you know, um, it's a good thing, I think, that I can write at my own pace doing this. Uh, it allows yeah. me a little bit more. You know, I work full time. So, um, you know, this isn't what's paying my mortgage. And so just having a little bit of balance in life that I can, you know, go visit that niece and nephew and do some different things and just not be stressing about it. Um, yeah is really good knowing that I'm not letting anyone down. If I take a weekend off, um, that's really nice to know. And I love to learn. I mean, I work in, in training. Um, I work for a bank in their training department. And so uh, just learning the new process is a challenge that I enjoy. So I am looking forward to it. That is really cool. Yes. And I feel like anybody who hasn't read your books yet, they can catch up. Um, but yeah, no, your, your writing is fun and definitely look forward to it. And I always think it's like, when you, when you enjoy an author, you'll wait, however, like long, there's always, Hopefully. <laughs> you will, or I do. I'm just kind of, yeah, we say we're impatient and I know we are impatient. Readers are impatient, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's fun to have that to look forward to. Definitely looking forward to seeing what happens in that carpool oh that's good and you don't have to wait until the book is out to read something of mine that will be new because I have written a prequel short story that I'm planning to release a couple months before the book comes out um if if anyone is particularly familiar with my work I have a couple of shorter stories they often just run for a couple of chapters that are sort of a romance distilled down into concentrate form it's like I try and make it the emotional kick of an entire romance novel but it's condensed down to just a couple chapters um so yeah would you call them like one scene kind of books like it's kind of or yeah I, re- I remember you you said them and they're, those are so fun to read all of those <laughs> thank you <laughs> oh yeah um Oh, I was, oh, I was going to wonder, are there going to be any like crossover tie-ins to your other books? Not at be? this point. Um, okay. No, but I mean, we'll see what, what happens in the future. But yeah, okay. this one is a bit of a different world. And I haven't decided yet how to handle the time slip between the two because I'm like, so will I make it? It, it actually does work Oh, actually, how much time did I put between the novels? Anyway, it, it corresponds fairly well that the novels happened in real time to the years that they were published. Um, although if you pulled out a calendar and checked the dates, I believe I set the dates to the year in which I wrote them. Um, but this one, you know, it's been it's been a while, you know. 2020 was my last release. So if and when I do do crossovers, it's going to be, you know, a number of years later. A few years later, yeah. So that 
is an interesting dilemma because I'm not a tied up in a pretty bow kind of person. So this has been part of the debate in how much do I cross over? Um, because the first two were knitted together quite well, yep. you know, characters from that one kind of immediately went off onto the, the second book adventure in the first book, it sort yeah. of set them up for that. Um, but this one wasn't designed that way. And so it's not baked in from the start. And because I'm not a tie it all up in a pretty bow, when I tell you what happens later in characters' lives, do you want to know how much, how <laughs> sweet do I make it? Or do I put a little sting of reality in there? But then if I do that, it's on Ren, but, you know, it's not fun. <laughs> you know, you don't want you don't want to hear something sad. So I'm really Okay, when you said that. you're going to put a little <laughs> in it it's like no that's okay no good <laughs> that's it. Just think that they're happy <laughs> and even I'm like that I'm like I don't want to make up something that's not you know <laughs> they've got a bajillion children and they're deliriously happy and blah 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 like you know we'd all love that but then I was like but am I really going to put that in there that everything's just going great like that's a bit boring so I think if I ever did a crossover they would almost I don't think they could do a cameo yeah. If they did, it would either have to be a cameo so brief that you don't really learn where their lives are at, or yeah. it would have to be like they have a subplot and you will see some of their present day challenges, but then they ha they get enough juice in the story that then you will see a happy resolution to that as well. I don't think I can just do a whole happy family walks on stage and then walks off thing because that's never been my style, you know. <laughs> Oh, hey, at least you are like honest with that. And that is true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and the tricky thing rages too with the debate of, you know, if anyone read my first book, do Mike and Steph ever get back together? Um, that was, there were strong opinions. <laughs> there were strong opinions. And I never wrote down what, what happened there. And at the time I wrote the book, I definitely had an idea of what I thought happened. And the older I've gotten, the more I've thought, maybe not maybe they were, maybe maybe not I don't know so oh, I, was, I almost some parts of it I like the readers to decide what they wanted to happen and to not dictate it too closely to then shatter that if people have had that idea for a long time yeah building fan fiction on our own minds you know what I um you know what I was thinking on my way back I'm like thinking of your previous book and stuff like that and question that has always been in my mind since love and other mistakes is what did happen to the garden gnome <laughs> i'm trying to oh i'm like when did i mention a garden gnome no That's something right. happened and she, yes. they were in the middle of an argument and that yes. like silenced her and she immediately responded that he was gonna tell his father what happened That's to the right. garden gnome and i've always wondered what happened <laughs> Uh, I'm glad someone else thought that was funny. Sometimes people who know me said, oh, I read your book. I could hear you in the jokes. I thought that was totally Jess. And I was like, does that mean it wasn't funny? <laughs> was it funny? I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was funny. So I'm glad someone else did too. Um, well, it was I great because it was like the illusion. You were constantly yeah. thinking. It's like you did not need a backstory. Her reaction was enough. And I've just been always like, that was good because you wonder. <laughs> I'm so glad that worked. Yes, that's exactly what I was trying to do. I love stories where the characters have a lot of history. This one now actually is the first one ever that I've written where they did not know each other before the book. I mean, my first two were, my first couple were ex-Beyonce's and my second two yeah. were work colleagues who'd worked together for, I think, three years I put in there. So they both knew each other well and had history, whereas this time I had to kind of start it where they didn't know each other and then fast forward a couple months so there was at least a little bit. Oh. Um, and... So, yeah, I just love, like I said, it comes back to that honesty thing that they know who the other person really is and you don't need the facade. And so any yeah. chance I could get to hint that there was so much more history than you even ever saw in the book and that it was deep and broad and there were stories that you hadn't even, I mean, there's one of my favourite sitcoms is Community and there's a whole episode where they they're showing clips of, um, it's, it's a clip episode. And, and normally when sitcoms did a clip episode, they would be clips from previous episodes. It's basically an excuse for everyone yeah. to take the week off. 
Um, yeah. But when Community did it, they were remembering things that had not been in any other episode. So they just flash back to remember when, and all of a sudden everybody's dressed up in like St. Patrick's Day gear, standing on the bank of a river with paddles, and one of them's like bloody, and but they're just arguing about something, and then it cuts away to something else, and you're like, what happened on St. Patrick's Day? I need to know. And they do that with all, then they're in a Western thing and all these different things, and it's always driven me crazy that they've never called back to those. I'm like, someone give me an episode of what happened on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Because it is so funny to hint at this whole world that happens outside of what you see. But yeah. I mean, I've got to say, I was lazy. I didn't make up a backstory for what happened with the garden home at the time. But maybe one day I should, if I ever do those cameos, I should like go back and look for those things and pick them up and put them back through it. <laughs> maybe it's my next short story. Natalie yeah, and Gemma, like a little short <laughs> epilogue. Yep. Oh, that, yeah, that would just in there. I'm I glad don't know, you maybe... brought that up. I'm going to think about that more now. <laughs> <laughs> Just said, so, yeah, that's how, how my mind works. It'll latch onto that little detail and it's like... <laughs> I just thought the word garden gnome was funny. I was just trying to make the sentence sound funnier. <laughs> There's so many things well, you can do with a garden gnome. Well, especially his dad, he had a garden gnome. There were yeah, just many letters. He's it. not a garden gnome man, is he? Like, he's not that kind of a guy. No. Boxing sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> I got to think of why he, why did he have this gnome? <laughs> and what did they, what happened to it? <laughs> Maybe we should be something. I had friends who kidnapped a mate's dog and like while he's away and took pictures with it all over town and then put it back before he got home. And then for months afterwards, we'd just mail him anonymous photos of the dog around town. <laughs> and he was driving him crazy. He was really mad by the end of it. And they never fessed up. He never knew who it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, we never let I'll him hear like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but wow, that that's some that's a level man that's a good prank I'm gonna have to remember that one also that's another thing it's like these books with the pranks I'm like I will take notes for later because I have brothers yes useful information yeah oh well thank you so much for talking with me Jessica it's always a fun time um so where can like you have a newsletter you are on instagram facebook let our readers know where they can keep up with you mm -hmm. sure well I, it's basically jessica kate writing everywhere jessicakatewriting.com at jessica kate writing on instagram facebook um and my newsletter um or my email is jessica at jessica kate writing.com but you can sign up to the newsletter at my website uh, and you will get those um, short stories that we were just chatting about, short romances. Yep. Um, they're all written around a kiss. Uh, so yep. one is called The Kiss Dare, The Kiss Thief and The Kiss Goodbye. And so those are three fun stories that you get for free when you sign up to the newsletter and stuff. So and you get fun things like getting to help me decide what the next what the next um, title will be. And that wasn't just like a oh, I'll let everyone think they're voting and think they're having input, but I've already really chosen this. Like all those four titles were good contenders. And I was like, I am finding it really hard to pick on my own, like what's going to work. And as soon as I put it out to everyone, the winner was like the clear winner yeah. from the start. I kept watching the votes drop in all day. And as um, soon as I read it, because I feel like it, I can't remember if it was at the bottom of the list, the one that I voted for mm -hmm. that and that to me was the winner and I was um as soon as I read it I'm like oh my goodness this sounds so it sounds so Jessica Kate that's what I was oh, thinking good. it's like this sounds so <laughs> Jessica Kate so hopefully that works because that definitely was one that really caught awesome that's eyes. good yeah and I need that it's so nerve-wracking when you're publishing it yourself like you know last time I could send off lots of suggestions to the publisher and they'll be like oh we loved this one this one and this one so you've got that back up and now I'm like oh got no one to validate my decisions anymore I better <laughs> ask some readers <laughs> just as we yep well I hope that works out looking forward to that and um also if you are a Christian single lady 
that Hey There Single Lady Instagram page has definitely had some really great, um, I just love, you know, the interesting things that you share and just that, that encouragement that I think is great to come to when you're in that maybe a moment of struggle or, or wherever you are to have that redirection to what's important. And I thank mm-hmm. you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's, it's been really good to get to be a part of and to just keep refocusing on myself on, I think the hardest part is when you let, you let your single status reinforce lies that you believe about yourself and just learning yeah. how to soak in that truth. You're going to see that phrase pop up in this book. This stuff has definitely influenced <laughs> this draft. Um so yeah, it's all just about soaking in that truth and letting it really get in there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Until next time. See you later, everybody. Okay. And I'll just say cut. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was super fun. That was fun. Yeah. And thank you for doing it straight after work. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Had a blast doing this. And I hope you have found something to add to your TBR list. Until next time, this is Nicole. Thank you for listening.